As we move closer and closer to the days of reckoning, expect more and more weirdness to occur. We are in the midst of a worldwide reversal of the upside-down reality we have lived in. Those running for president think that they are safe from prosecution. As Q has reminded us, they are not. Justice is coming for all of them. I suggested for Klaus to listen to the Thomas Paine podcast recently, as I vibe with him, even though he's a cynic and does not believe in the plan. However, he has the right grasp for how corrupt things are. He even had a segment on his podcast entitled FBI Dumpster Fire, which was hysterical and reminded me of our own deep state swamp creature of the day. I pointed Klaus toward that episode as well, since it details exactly how indictments and cases become sealed. Us us Anons are tracking 147,000 sealed indictments currently. The brunt of those being in California, where there is 24,000. Yes, you heard that right. 24,000 sealed cases. In the podcast, he outlined perfectly how an audit of the Clinton investigation was brought to Congress. Swamp creatures questioned him and wanted documents. The case was brought in public court, and the judge sealed the case, meaning the public can't access information on it. And it's a public case. So imagine this scenario on a grand scale that has been going on for decades. It's how they've always done it. Seal the cases of high-profile individuals and then distract with fake news and entertainment. As I've said before, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Mm. Gotta love some Phil Collins in the AM, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> My man, Phil. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's interesting too. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if uh, if you got a chance to check out that podcast, but um, I know him from uh, True Pundit. He was one of the, I think, first outlets to be labeled um, as a fake news organization by the fake news media. Interesting. <laughs> and he seems to have his uh, finger on the pulse of things. He has a background in. Um, uh, AML, like anti-money laundering, compliance, financial investigations, and he's worked at a lot of these different agencies. And so I think that he still has uh, a certain amount of sources within uh, a lot of different, a lot of these different uh, agencies, or um, even you know even other things like banks or or that sort of thing. And like I was saying, yeah, before, like that one really stuck out to me. I don't get to listen to like to all of them, but that one really stuck out because he it basically outlined what these people have been doing for so long now, for probably like over fifty years, um, and especially something as high profile as, as the Clinton Foundation. Um, you know, for them, they want to keep that appearance that they are a nonprofit, like agency where they try to help people and all this kind of stuff and then um a case gets brought against them and then they have like the judge in their pocket essentially and the judge says all right i want this case sealed so no one can access it Mm. and in this particular case it was a it was actually a public case it was like in tax court or something but the uh the judge just still went ahead and sealed it so people don't find out about it or don't really look into it, and um, the yeah the amount of sealed cases is staggering. I mean to say the least, mm. um, especially in a place like California, where 
everyone thinks of like the hub of entertainment and stuff and whatever and the hub of nonsense (laughs) (laughs) there's like twenty four thousand. i thought that was crazy but um that's a very large number at least i think that's a large number yeah and uh i just i vibed with his podcast too because he has a segment fbi dumpster fire and (laughs) He he pointed out it's like they try to put all these shows on TV that that paint like the FBI or these other agencies in a good light, and he basically says like the total opposite goes on behind the scenes, and that's kind of why he was doing that. So yeah, I would imagine that there's some good people in both the FBI and CIA. Just like every agency, mm-hmm. there's going to be some good people who have wanted to do it their whole lives for the good sure. of people and are filled. I don't want to say they become filled, but they they see the corruption for what it is, and they either fall in line or find a new line of work. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's what uh, that's what Q has outlined to us too. That most people are good, but it's just these some of these upper echelon people or people in like strategic positions that have been essentially compromised and. Um, you know, uh, become pretty bad people. So I agree with you with that too. It's not, it's not like we're saying everyone in, uh, the FBI or DOJ or whatever is really bad. Right. Just, just the, maybe the ATF and what they're doing right now with all the gun stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, lest we forget, uh, this is, uh, LTR pod, last therapist on the right podcast. I am payback Eddie and I'm joined, as usual, by my friend, Klaus Groben. And uh, we hope everyone's having a wonderful day. It's almost the end of February. Uh, it is leap year, which I almost feel like it's leap year every year. I don't know how it turns out like that, but maybe hmm. I'm just not paying attention. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Do you, want to, do you want to just jump right into the gun stuff? Since we kind of started off a little bit on that. Or you had mentioned it before? Sure, yeah. Um, just recent, maybe just some gun updates. I know that Michael Bloomberg has um, been throwing some money at, at Texas, one of what I would consider a, a hub of the Second Amendment. And when I say hub, it's when when I think of Texas, I think of, you know, arm the right to arm yourself and very, um, very proud people. And not just proud people of the state, but proud people of the country. Mm. And to know that there's $800 million going against people and what they probably want. There's also been issued 400,000 volunteers for every every town, I think, again, every town... uh, USA or something? Every town USA against guns or every town USA um, has 400,000 volunteers now in the state of Texas, so... It's now becoming a battleground. One of the most prominent states in what I believe America is becoming the battleground for the Second Amendment. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and we were kind of talking about it before we started recording. Once I heard that, I think I heard it yesterday, I was like, all right, the uh, swamp creatures are trying to strike at the heart of America. That's kind of how I perceived it. Um, I know that a lot of leftists don't want to... Uh, or think poorly of a place like Texas, but um, it's for me, it's like the I don't know epicenter of the Constitution, gun rights, freedom of speech, 
Um, so I am not surprised that some swamp creatures want to kind of remove that, uh, get rid of that um, uh, place, if you will, or mm-hmm. get rid of like certain rights over there. Um, you know, it's just kind of how I've been noticing what they're doing. I mean, you know, because they're trying to, you know, make a place like Austin like popular and trendy and like fill it with like fucking leftist like hipster types Mm -hmm. and they've done it in other cities whether it's san francisco or portland Mm -hmm. or um i've heard of parts of like minnesota i feel like i was i heard something about like wisconsin recently really yeah it just seems like they want to infiltrate essentially and like like in San Francisco, spread their shit all over the place. <laughs> hey, I mean, people are getting paid almost six figures to clean up shit. It's not something I would personally want to do, but, you know, it's the fact that they have to create jobs to pay people to pick up human feces is pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, as for, you know, Austin, it um, it seems like uh, Texas, I don't want to say is flipping to becoming more purple, but more and more people leave California or leave some other states to go to Texas because they're, it's almost, I don't want to say a land of opportunity, but it's almost a land of opportunity to um, find more affordable ways of living. Sure. And whether that's income or taxes or whatever it may be. But it's interesting to see an influx of people move there. Yeah. And what do you mean uh, more purple? What I mean by more purple, I guess, is I, Texas has traditionally been more of a you know a red state and is becoming more blue. Therefore, it's going to uh, be 50-50 <clears throat> and start turning into a, more of a purple state. Sure. To gotcha. where it, maybe one day it'll be a battleground state. I hope it's not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with cities like Austin where they're, you know, they're starting to flood, flood it with people who, you know, Hipsters who probably shoot CZs. <laughs> Nothing against CZ, but hipsters shoot CZs. <laughs> and, you know, just individuals who are more left-minded thinking or more liberals who are left-minded thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, a lot of the, I don't, a lot of the control comes from. Sure. And when there's the rest of the state that probably wants to either support the Second Amendment or other rights. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, I mean, it looks like we got, we have to continue to fight back and spread awareness that this is happening. And that, um, like we said before, we both feel like if they are coming after the guns, um, it's kind of like the end game for the deep state. If they can get the guns from the people, um, I don't think it's going to be a good thing. Um, even though I do think there would still be the you know black market uh, firearms and stuff like that. Um, I feel like they, it would just kind of give that like slippery slope where maybe they would like start, uh, even clamping down on like the black market kind of thing after mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't know, just everything I see more and more day by day, I just think of this slippery slope, um, perception it, and, you know, kind of things that we've talked about where there's, there's no lines, there's no goalposts. Um, and so they just continue to just, I don't even know, move the barrier as much as they can or just like pretend there's no barrier at all. <laughs> yeah, it just, 
the sky is the limit. Yeah. <laughs> the sky is, well, there is a limit, and you're starting to breach it, you know? Yeah. I, I believe that if the Second Amendment falls, what's to say that the First Amendment and the rest of the Bill of Rights doesn't fall? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if we lose the right to protect our freedoms, we lose, to me, we, we can lose the right to lose everything. Sure. And I don't know, I didn't talk about this before the podcast, but I was actually... Um, getting my scope mounted on my rifle and there is a a young girl in there who is sounded sounded like she was depressed and she was trying to buy a firearm and the the gun owner the gun store um person was letting her know like you know like you have a very blunted or flat affect i'm i'm worried that you're buying this for different purposes and he was very conscientious conscientious of her buying a firearm mm-hmm. and it makes me think like do do they just believe do, does the left just believe that gun owners are not like law-abiding citizens i'm just so confused on that aspect because even the gun the gun gun shop owner was like i don't know if i can sell you a firearm because you're on medications you've recently been diagnosed with depression mm-hmm. you know he was he was basically doing what what we do for assessments. <laughs> He's basically a therapist in a gun shop, okay. which was, I thought was super interesting to know that he's not willing to sell her a gun without getting more information. He asked for contact information of also the therapist along with the, the doctor. So it's not like huh. individuals who are gun owners are not law-abiding citizens, as shown in Virginia. Yeah. But wait, so he was asking for her therapist? So he noticed, like, she was very flat, and he's like, are you on any medications? And she basically said she's on antidepressants, and I'm just there to get my, my scope mounted. And it's oh, just yeah. well, one guy, it's like almost like a mom-and-pop shop. Mm-hmm. And I was letting him do his thing while I was looking around, and basically she said, yeah, like, I'm on antidepressants, you know, I've been seeing a therapist and a doctor, but I want to... I want to get by a gun mm-hmm. and for my me overhearing her I, I mean making an assumption but it sounded like you know she was in a bad spot and the gun owner was not only trying to protect her life and others but also protect his business hmm. and he was just further assessing asking for the doctor's information like what who's your doctor I want to I want to know what's what's actually going on if you truly are going to want to buy a firearm hmm. Because, you know, if you're coming in with a flat affect, she looked, if just by glancing at her, she looked depressed. Okay. And <clears throat> assuming that, you know, assuming that that's what she was, the gun owners, or sorry, the gun store owner is just trying to protect her life, maybe someone else's life, mm-hmm. and again, his business. True. So I, th- I think that's perfectly, a, I don't know, maybe I'm out of place with this, but maybe that's what gun owners are supposed to do or gun store owners are supposed to do. They're supposed to try to protect individuals and further Mm -hmm. assess for what is actually going on. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with that. I don't know. Maybe in the environment of everything going on, maybe there's stuff that uh, that person, you know, is more conscious of or more aware of. And um, maybe there's even things that are being said to him from other people. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's fine also as well. Mm. Um, it actually made me think of something I was going to bring into the podcast and 
maybe I'll just bring it in as kind of a segue. Um, I've actually gone back and I've been watching um, the Punisher series on Netflix. Okay. And um, there's like some of these elements within that, and it's it's actually I don't know. I feel like I'm going back and viewing it with a fresh set of eyes. Um, kind of you know being clued in with Q and all of these different things that are going on and it's some interesting social commentary and I found it really interesting because Hollywood has just a lot of I mean a lot of it has gone so far left these days mm-hmm. um, it seemed like within the show it would they were able to kind of balance it out where they they were kind of like talking about like things that we'll talk about mm-hmm. Um and like the most recent episode I was watching, it was dealing with this um, senator who was going to give like an anti-gun, you know, or gun control speech. Sure. And meanwhile, he's hiring armed guards to protect him and stuff. I'm like, all right, this is weird. This is kind of like what is like going on right now. <laughs> and then, um, there, you know, it's it's obviously about this guy Frank Castle, who's ex-military, like special forces, mm-hmm. and just from like. I don't know, just uh, like reading up and with like Q, the Q operation, all that kind of stuff. Like it's a lot of like military lingo. And so there's things that have been said in there that's um, the same kind of things that like Q will say, like um, like happy hunting or um, oh, now I'm blanking on the other ones. Um, uh, things like HVTs, like high value targets. Um Ch- chatter there's they mm-hmm. and it's so it's like kind of funny to go back and watch this but um i thought it was interesting because it was kind of like towing the line of you know they did include some of the you know hollywood perception of the alt-right with the nra and mm-hmm. you know like skewing that like i did notice that um but i don't know if you've seen that that series if you've watched it i have and i think uh I, I was a little conflicted with it, too, because it seems like there was a narrative trying to be pushed into the show. Mm-hmm. And after I wa- and that was prior to the show, I remember watching some commentary on it. And after watching it, I felt similar to you. It's like they're they're trying to convey a message of like this vigilante vigilante group going around and shooting people and robbing. But at the same time, they show the sen- like you said, the senator who's got armed guards, and it's just kind of ironic that it's like, oh, what do you know? Yeah. Trying to Imagine take away that. guns, but yeah. having armed guards, probably with, um, you know, another large assumption, but in the show they dramatize everything. Probably with some of them have maybe submachine guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are legal, by the way. You just have to go back to a, buy one that's from 1986 or mm-hmm. get a specific. Uh, license for it okay yeah and the, but you gotta drop like 20 grand so i, I don't have that kind of money <laughs> <laughs> well and that's another another uh interesting layer with that too was the the person who had the footage from kandahar which i think is in afghanistan or somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. east um and the the video was like a cia a cia op um where they basically uh executed someone who wasn't really like a bad guy or terrorist or whatever Mm -hmm. and so i think the guy who got the footage was nsa 
pretty sure. And he, uh, he went up season one. Are you talking about season one? Yeah. Yeah. He wound up calling himself micro. And I found that interesting because within the Q movement, there was a guy named microchip who came out and like claimed to be Q and claimed that he was like doing all these drops and then it like got out of hand. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. That was like a weird coincidence. And uh, they use that term coincidence in the show a lot, and that's the kind of thing Q says as well. Um, but, I mean, this could, we could actually segue, segue into the, the dream that you had because I am very uh, very interested in this kind of stuff. <laughs> so recently, uh, for, for uh, people listening, I recently had a dream where I was watching. I was flipping through the channels, watching television, trying to figure out the latest you know, I guess news cycle, if you will. And I had a dream that, um, fake news cycle, (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump was giving a speech and I don't remember the whole speech in the dream, but it was, I remember it being in the feeling very moved in the dream. And at the end it said, um, there will be no silence while we are quiet. Hmm. And below on the ticker, it was talking about QAnon being a conspiracy group. And as he said that on the ticker, QAnon was going across the screen. Hmm. Um, and being the very Jungian therapist that I would like to be, you know, it's interesting to know that having this dream that there will be no silence while we are quiet and trying to break down that interpretation of that dream. I think would be, I mean, maybe not so much beneficial for viewers, but beneficial for myself in understanding how um, our dreams and how we make meaning of dreams into what we want or what we are, the way we are perceiving the world. And to me, there will be no silence while we are quiet. Sounds like what is happening behind the scenes, that meanings breaking down, there will be no silence meaning there is things and there's actions and there's words and there's, I don't want to say literal explosions, but explosions of political, um, how do I put this, political conflict that's going on behind the scenes while we are quiet. Mm -hmm. And while we are quiet, meaning we don't see it, the everyday average person does not see it, but it is happening and having faith that something is changing for the better mm-hmm. i think is what i gained from that from that dream but i'm curious to know what your interpretation of just that one line is and how i described the dream to you and it was there will be no silence while we're quiet there will be no silence while we are quiet and that's how the speech ended i, ju- I actually just got a uh... Not goosebumps, but you know, yeah, you, you know when you get yeah. that feel. Yeah, I got the chills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Um, I agree with what you're saying. Ah, uh, man, it really resonates with me because I, I buy into this idea of synchronicity, mm-hmm. where things are happening in my life that kind of align with one another. Mm-hmm. This being another one of them, because I was just talking to one of my friends. It was in the past couple of days, and I said to him, "There are things happening now on the main stage, um, whether it's the Dem debates or on the fake news telecasts with what what they're saying." Um, 
it seems like there's more and more happening where they're getting exposed and now they're actually exposing each other mm-hmm. um and they're taking shots at one another and it seems like the corruption and the exposure is playing out in real time and people are becoming more aware of it because they're all kind of like eating each other in my mind um they're all attacking each other and q's called uh this whole thing the silent war where there's all this there's this shadowy war going on behind the scenes that we don't know about interesting yeah (laughs) another instance of synchronicity and uh Mm. so what you're saying makes complete sense because there's been times where like they've gone dark and they haven't dropped but then there's more and more kind of playing out um in the foreground Mm -hmm. and then they'll start dropping in the background and they've always called it they've always called this like the back channel like the way around the mainstream narrative essentially because they knew that they couldn't just go like right through the door they kind of had to go around and um so what you're saying what you're describing is uh totally sensible to me mm-hmm. and i really i agree with what you're saying too i think it's 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 it's, it's interesting that you call it like synchronicity because i've i guess from a young perspective um diving deeper into like what is the collective unconscious there was a theory within that where mm-hmm. what we you know what we what we see or what we share with our on our own unconscious is collective among all people. Mm. So to know the fact, you know, of synchronicity where mm-hmm. I'm able to dream this dream, bring it into real world, put it out into the, to the universe, share that other people unconsciously pick that up, whether they're hearing it or not. Sure. The idea that we all share that same collective unconscious where we all are aware of what is going on without actually know what is going on. But mm-hmm. in order to do that, you have to open your eyes. Sure. Yeah. I was, I was going to send you one of the, uh, drops. Um, but like, if you go to qmap.pub and then you search for the silent war, there's actually a bunch of drops on it. There's one recently from February 12th interesting because i haven't been actively searching for any of (laughs) any of what the silent war continues (laughs) and that's interesting what you said too because trump and even q have have talked about it where like we're all connected united we're stronger like we're much more powerful together and Trump has said it before, like, we are all one, like, we're all one people. Mm. So, do you think it could be possible that we could, like, not only be connected um, in person, like, in the physical, but also Mm. in, like, kind of through dreams or in, like, the metaphysical in a way? Yeah. Um, Let's get a little loud. Yes, I think that is possible. Um, There was... I, I did a lot of uh, existentialism research in my undergrad, and a lot of it had to pertain to things that most people are, I guess, unable to comprehend in a sense where, like, psychology, ESP, mm-hmm. like, um, 
and then when I say psychology ESP, it's like, like almost like dream. I'll just flat out say it. dream. Um, I don't say dream telekinesis. Why can't I think of it? Dream, like you're able to astral con- projection, similar to astral projection, but the idea that we are able to share the same dream. Oh, like in uh, Inception. Similar to Inception, but the way to do it is with dream incubation, where you mm. have to incubate the idea of the same place in order to share the same dream. So in college, me and my roommate for about six months, mm-hmm. we're trying to dream incubate and do, okay, dream telepathy is what I was trying to think of. Okay. So, apologize. But we were trying to perform Unbelievable. Dream. <laughs> we were trying to perform dream telepathy in the way where we both have gone and have the same experience mm-hmm. of going to the Golden Gate Bridge. And we thought we both showed each other the same picture of the Golden Gate Bridge and the idea to connect our minds to the same point in time mm-hmm. while we're dreaming on the same REM cycle and being able to achieve that and get to the same spot and share the same dream. We were not able to do it, but we were reading books where people across the country were able to do that. Wow. By uh, accessing the same level of unconscious at the same time. So what happened, and again, this is just a case study, so Mm -hmm. it can't be, I guess, scientific fact, if you will. Mm -hmm. But the idea that I am, you know, let's say I'm in California and and you're in New York or I'm in Texas and you're in Minnesota... I'm able to write something down in the dream. The researcher picks that up from me, contacts the researcher who's with you, and says, what did so-and-so write in the dream? And you'll be able to access that. And they were able to do that with several case studies in the book I was reading. Okay. And it's called Dream Telepathy. Wow. That's fascinating. Yes. it's that, And I think that's why I've been so intrigued in dreams, because... If that's possible between people, who's to say that it's not possible with other aspects of our brain? Because Mm -hmm. we're only able to access certain parts, but when we're unconscious, we don't know how much we're actually using. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we can be using more than just what we're using right now is unfathomable. Yeah. So to know that if it's possible, what's to say that we can't start practicing that? So then... This idea of dream incubation. I'm just thinking off the top of the dome right now. <laughs> uh, so if, you know, from us, like, sitting here recording this podcast mm-hmm. on, you know, pretty much a weekly basis, sharing these ideas, talking about different things, going down the rabbit hole, whatever it is, like, is it possible that that could help or that could, like, affect... Uh, our dreams or kind of manifest dreams in that way as well it it can um i think it would be more unconscious or subconscious like maybe i picked up on like for the just going back to the dream we talked about earlier going back like thinking about donald trump you know presenting a speech and being able to drop almost have a cue drop in there (laughs) in his speech like while on the ticker cues going across the screen Mm -hmm. that can be incubated unconsciously Hmm. but to know that we could share the same dream incubation not just with one person but many people means in in theory we can share the same dream 
but still have different perspectives in the dream. So let's say we were able to share that dream. You're going to be sitting possibly on a different couch than I am, but you might see the same message. Hmm. Interesting. Uh... But if we were able to do true dream telepathy, the couch right there, we'd be able to basically make contact and know what you saw is what I saw. Okay. That would be true dream telepathy. So it's like Inception, but not with being connected to one another, how they did in the movie. No, because they used... I mean, they used a drug that probably acts, like, you know, stimulated the penile gland, but yeah. um, hmm. it's, I, it, and it's in a way it's different because it's not, obviously they could just do it like that. Yeah. Dream incubation, again, we were able to get to the same spot after three months, mm-hmm. but we could never exactly find each other. Okay. So we were almost in our own dream world our hmm. own unconscious, but be able to share the same unconscious. You would have to access more parts of what we were going to be at so i was i no offense to him i was a little bit better at dream incubation so the Mm. first place we tried to meet at was a church we talked about okay you can't see you can't see time in dreams so Mm -hmm. in in order to make the dream more um obtainable for us to connect unconscious um unconsciously we chose 7 p.m as the time on a clock tower in a church we didn't label a specific church clock tower that was our issue but knowing the time and looking at the clock ideally we'd see each other at the same time Mm -hmm. so we were able to go to our own churches in our mind but only see the clock at seven Hmm. now his one his was a little bit more peaceful mine was a little bit more uh satanic if you will really i walked in and everyone is in black hoods almost like a black mass oh wow and when i entered they stopped and basically my unconscious became aware that i was there and they all turned and that's when i woke up wow whereas his was a little bit of a different experience but going back into like collecting connecting our unconscious it I believe it is possible, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult to actually access it. And it almost seems like knowing how to access that part of our brain is going to be basically most of the battle. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know how long ago that was, but I mean, thinking about it now with a lot of the different things we talk about with, um, you know, with Q and how deep the rabbit hole, go- hole goes and how dark it gets do you think that that it was some sort of uh i don't know foreshadowing in a way i'm not sure um i've i've been you know trying to think about and write down my dreams when i was in high school and college and some of them are very vivid and violent Hmm. and i'm wondering how much of that possibly could be foreshadowing or how much of that could actually be my own conscious own unconscious trying to make myself aware of what is actually happening in my own life Hmm. so i think it could it's possible but i'm not going to say it's definite because Mm -hmm. i know there's you know there's evil out there and i I believe there's evil out there Mm -hmm. and to know that there is people probably doing exactly what i was talking about at a church similar to that maybe Mm -hmm. not the same time but what's to say that that's not possible or that isn't happening right now somewhere sure Mm -hmm. 
There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind closed doors, possibly underground. And uh, some of these elites are into some sick shit. So, <laughs> but it also makes you wonder how how deep if we're able to access that, or I was able to access that. How much can they access mm. with the, the evil stuff they do? Sure. And how much of that can actually be connected to our own unconscious? Yeah, that's... and and either planted with information or denied access to information yeah it's a really good question because uh... if you think about it if you're able to stimulate the penile gland you can make someone believe they're in a dream hmm. and you could almost use that as an interrogation technique hmm that's true that's really interesting too because I'm pretty sure that there's been a couple of cue drops on something called Project Deep Dream. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, I'm not, as you can, as you listeners can tell, I'm not as versed as Eddie over here in a lot of the cue drops. A lot of it has just been my own research and what Eddie has told me and a lot of information from people in the Second Amendment community. Yeah, because I remember seeing it in a couple of drops and I remember I've seen a couple of things on Twitter lately about it that it's similar to MKUltra, but it's deeper. And there are a couple of drops on it. I never actually looked into it. But what's what's the study called? Are there? It says a project deep dream. Well, I know that. Uh, at least I believe. With, with being able to access that part of it, you're unconscious. You, again, you can access different parts of your brain. So knowing that we're only using a certain percentage, what, you know, what, what can we actually do with that other percent? Mm-hmm. How can we start empowering ourselves? Not only as, you know, in the political realm, but as human beings and individuals, how can we start empowering us to search further for what is our own truth or what we believe is the truth. Sure. Um, it is on Wikipedia, but I mean, something to do with uh, a Google computer program. Is that, uh, I think I read something, I don't know if it's the same thing, but it's the idea that they're trying to break down dreams into a computer program where hmm. it's trying to basically have a computer dream. Really? I don't know if that's the same thing, huh. but I remember doing some research on that and the, the fact that they're trying to basically make a computer conscious, basically AI. Mm-hmm. A- and what separ- a big separation between us and a computer is obviously the brain, and we don't know how much you know how the brain works but if we were able to have a computer dream 
how how much closer could that be access to our own dreams and being able to interpret what our own dreams hmm. are telling that makes you think of another tv show that that was on netflix called altered carbon hmm. i don't know if you ever saw it i did not it was all about people in the future uploading their consciousness to basically like a microchip like a computer chip Mm. and then so it would almost be like living like forever um so their body you know their physical dies and their consciousness is able to live on and get put into another body so it's kind of a trip um but I wanted to get back to what you said before as far as like empowering oneself mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I guess this kind of thing came up for, re- for me recently and I had said before we started recording that I was thinking about bringing it up mm-hmm. and um, we're, we're in, it seems like we're in the very positive space right now. I don't want to make it too negative. Right. But um but you know, it's something that has come up for me before in um, in my work environment, where um, how do I say this? Certain people, certain people just kind of assume things about people of like one race or religion, mm-hmm. and they just take a very broad brush, like a, a very huge generality in a way. And because I am someone who's the same skin color or religion or whatever it is, you know, I'm automatically like lumped into that way of thinking Mm -hmm. and it gets frustrating. I was able to talk to another staff member about it afterwards and kind of vent a little bit. Um, But then it's making me more, I guess, conscious of saying it in the moment and challenging that person to really just like challenge them in their own beliefs Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that with some of these people like some of the clients in general they're stuck in their like old patterns of thinking and unfortunately I think that they're stuck in also the like the fake news narrative Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like sometimes I'm still i don't know surprised that that thing is that it's still going on um but then at the same time like i recognize it's an ongoing battle to basically like really destroy the narrative that's been put out out there Mm -hmm. um you know especially for people like us who are pretty much like i said it before like um logical thinking sentient beings and we don't like we don't really discriminate against anyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if you've experienced that. Um, you know, uh, since you've been a trainee or anything, but mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to put that out there. In terms of like, it sounds like almost ra- like racism or sure. prejudice <laughs> or mm-hmm. um, a large like unfair bias put onto yourself or other individuals just based off appearance yeah i mean i'll just say it it's um i've dealt with it with another client before where it's a you know he's a black client who um just automatically lumps every white person in as a racist um 
and then kind of went into talking about the area that we live in and that of course this is happening because we're you know in this area and um just like stereotyping really all of us and in my head i'm like man like you have no idea um you you really don't know me first of all uh second of all you're automatically assuming that like i'm a racist um that i discriminate against people Mm. and that all the staff around me are racist and discriminate against people and then he went into talking about like like slavery and stuff and i've dealt with like another client like that and it's like how are you still stuck in that like old world mentality that's kind of what i perceive it Mm -hmm. as so um yeah (laughs) yeah well and i think tying it back into like what i think you wanted to tie it back into like empowering oneself and almost going down to a deeper level i think you like we've talked about before you have to be open to diving deeper into Mm -hmm. those levels of your own mind because an individual who you know doesn't matter what race they are who's only going to think of um people putting them down or people and discriminating against them can't see past what is actually happening or can't have the open mind enough or is not open enough to talk about talk about conversations like you know i mean it's hard to even have that conversation but mm-hmm. not to even have the open mind to want to have that conversation mm-hmm. i think is the first step yeah. so when there's individuals who are unable to do that and look past you know going into like what the media tells us or you know fake news tells us mm-hmm. it's even harder to process because it's it's you're being repeated the same message and you tell yourself a lie enough you're going to start believing the lie mm-hmm. yeah so do you th- and for me at this point it's like people who don't want to look into things or don't want to accept reality in a way i mean with someone like this um who's you know maybe a little older and maybe doesn't know how to find other avenues to get news or current events or social commentary or whatever mm-hmm. it is like do you think do you think it's that they just don't want to accept that we're in a very different uh environment these days I think I think that's uh, has a large part to do with it. I think mm-hmm. people also want to stay in that same space because they know it's safe to them, mm-hmm. and whatever safety looks like to them is different per person. Sure. But it's hard to break out of these old patterns of thinking or this old older way of perceiving the world than it is to oh my gosh, like I've been wrong all this time, or mm-hmm. I've been right in this area and wrong in this area. So it's hard to break that pattern. Yeah, that idea of admitting that that you're wrong mm-hmm. or that you're like, confused about things too, maybe. I think I think that has a large part to do with it, you know. <laughs> and I think again, it goes back to opening your mind and learning about things. And once you open your mind, it's up to you whether you believe things or not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't believe them, sometimes you do. But I think in order to even have that conversation, you have to literally open your brain and be like. <laughs> Let me soak in, soak in this information. Yeah. So how do you think we get through to leftists? <laughs> well, you have to have an honest conversation. <laughs> patience. <and laughs> patience. Um, I'm sure there's people on both sides that don't have patience. But I think to even have an honest conversation, you have to be willing to learn 
their perspective as well as them learning your perspective. And if people aren't able to open their mind and learn your perspective, then they don't, they're closing their themselves off from even learning about how the world works. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not willing to learn from someone who thinks differently than me, then I'm only living the li- I'm only living the lie that I've lived my whole life. Sure. Hmm. I guess that's part of the art of what we do. Yeah. To break through to people or get it, through to people. Exactly, and that's <laughs> something they have to do on their own. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm a whether I'm in therapy or whether they're in therapy, it's the clients i my theory of change is having the client have the insight to make that change themselves mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to dig deep within themselves to understand how i can make that change and we are the we're the people that help them find that but we can't give them the answers mm. that's how okay. i see therapy very well put klaus Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, it's all a learning experience, right? Yes, it is. And therapy is a wonderful tool to help people change. And it takes a a very resilient person to complete those changes. And I think as long as you're willing to work on yourself, you can you're becoming a better person every day. Mhm. Very well said. And uh, with that, I mean, we could segue to our favorite segment. And what would that be? It, I think, uh, I think it's called the Deep State Swamp Creature of the Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There it is. <laughs> All so right. who is the Swamp Creature of the Day? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will give you a hint here. Okay. Uh, hold on. I gotta think of a quote. Are they an actor? Are they? This person. This person is a male actor. Okay. And I'm trying to think of his famous quote. Hold on one second here. Klaus is breaking it down to Benny Hill. Uh, I didn't realize there was a British show until earlier this week. Benny Hill. Maybe I'm even wrong. I didn't either, actually. Go ahead, punk. Make my day. Clint Eastwood. Yep. Interesting. So, apparently, Clint Eastwood backs Mike Bloomberg for president. Clint Eastwood, the long-standing uh, Republican, conservative, as far as I know, decides to back mini Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> I'm, cu- I'm curious Liberta- to know. Where- libertarian superstar Clint Eastwood? He's libertarian? I, have, I thought he was a conservative Republican, but even his re- most recent movie about the the man who is basically a security guard where the bomb went off who kind of saved a lot of people Mm -hmm. even that's a more 
conservative movie and trying to spin what is actually going on. So I'm I'm interested to hear what you have to say about him backing Michael Bloomberg. Oh man. Well, I'm just kind of looking at what he said. Um, politics and- politics has gotten so or- ornery. Uh, he approves of certain things Trump's done, but wishes the president would act in a more genteel way without tweeting and calling people names. I would personally not like not like for him to bring himself to that level. Hmm. The, the best thing we could do is just get Mike Bloomberg in there. Man, uh, my take, uh, you know... I think he's senile. I think <laughs> that's what it's come down to. Maybe he's got dementia or something. Yikes. <laughs> poor Eastwood it's just you know <laughs> you know I'm gonna not say what I was gonna say it's just gonna be nice but uh you don't I have to uh, it's, uh, <laughs> we're in a free speech zone here well you know when a, when a, when a horse breaks their leg sometimes you just gotta put them down <laughs> but I'm not saying any I do not wish any harm against Mr. Eastwood it's just his I don't I disagree with his idea but I'm also looking at the fact that he was born in San Francisco, so. He was? Yes. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. So I wonder how much of his popularity is actually pulling towards uh, more conservative or Republicans and really just trying to get a bigger following. Because he know that knows that's against the grain and that's what people almost crave, especially in Hollywood. I know. That's been honestly, it's been one of my worst fears uh, lately. That you know, I mean, the Hollywood's gone far left for a while now, anyway. But I, I have had that fear crop up where it's like people, some of these older actors who are portraying themselves as conservative and have said that they're long-standing Republican um, are in fact not, just not that, and they're kind, they're like deep state liberals disguised as conservatives and um it could even go beyond that you know like even within politics there could be like politicking if you will where they have to be a certain way again because of the climate and maybe he's not going to get his next movie made because of it and maybe michael bloomberg's funding that movie but it's really sad that uh Mm -hmm. you have to resort to that because if to me, if you don't stick to your beliefs, then you're just you're bending the knee to anyone. Yeah, you're bending actually, the knee to money. I hadn't thought about that before too, but uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I could see that as well. Uh, it means he's a coward. Yeah, which is even sadder. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, I think uh, for me, I've always I've never really seen his older mo- films. I've only seen his newer ones and kind of sad to know that this individual who's been portrayed been portraying himself in a certain way has almost backhanded in a way but at the same time he has he's entitled to his own opinions and mm-hmm. a picking a really dumb candidate because michael bloomberg i believe is an idiot <laughs> <laughs> um you know maybe they just you know have old <laughs> Maybe they were both mules for the cartel at one point. <laughs> the Mule 2, Electric Boogaloo, or something like that. Maybe. Maybe, Klaus. I don't know um, I don't know if you knew this. I know we were talking about Clint Eastwood, but uh, Michael Bloomberg actually hit at, on Instagram 
a bunch of meme pages and paid them to make memes about campaigning for him. And it's been all over everywhere. I saw that too. Basically yeah. memes making fun of people who create memes. <laughs> it's been it's been hilarious. <laughs> I've seen a few of them. <laughs> I know. I just I um I followed a couple meme pages and they started posting and I'm like, what the shit is this? <laughs> and within like a couple hours they were losing like thousands of followers because it's like you're already closing off your base. Mm-hmm. Um at the same time i also thought it was kind of funny because they they're doing it in the name of comedy but they're also trying to make a living it sucks that they have to take their money from this guy but mm-hmm. you know they're they're trying to survive at the end of the day and yeah. they only posted like one meme about it and they were terrible boomer jokes it was just like <laughs> what are you doing like this guy's got no sense of humor he's at, he's very out of touch yeah. and that's why he's reaching out to these meme pages yeah, and we we all know the left can't meme. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've I ordered a hat the other day called uh, the Great Meme War Veteran, and it's gonna have a that whole Meme War Veteran hat. <laughs> nice. Where where do you order it from? <laughs> I think it was off Amazon. I'll try to pull it up. I'll show you after the okay. after the pod. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen a a couple hats like that. There was one store called the Maga Shop, and another one called printed kicks i actually ordered a t-shirt and a hat that uh i will be that i'm planning on wearing next week when we record so you have that to look forward to class i'll show off my attire (laughs) (laughs) but uh anyway we've been going for about an hour so um i don't know if you want to close up shop here um yeah i think that this is a good spot to end um any closing thoughts in particular i just would like to say that dreams are dream interpretation and the unconscious is like definitely my passion in therapy and it was mm-hmm. I was glad I got to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, this was a, this is a cool episode. Um, there's actually someone I follow on Twitter called Saul and she's one of the really good meme makers and she says don't let your memes be dreams. So uh, take take with that what you will. Uh, <laughs> everyone out there listening. And, uh, yeah, catch us on SoundCloud and iTunes, LTR Pod, and um, LTR Pod 55 on Twitter. And we do have a website that is called ltrpod.com. And, uh, yeah, as I said last week, stay frosty, friends, and uh, hang in there. The best is yet to come. Mm, perfect. Perfect.